AJ Jones, how are you? Hmm. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. You look beautiful in your pajamas. Why, thank you. So do you. Thank you. We've had an amazing week. We have. You know, what I realized was we started last week with a prophet. We did. And we start next week with a prophet. Very true. Our life is sandwiched between two prophets. There you go. So we had David Wagner at the school and at Ammonite last week. And Which it was, was amazing. Amazing. And so good. We have James Gall with us tomorrow at the school. Can you believe we had another snow day this week? No. What was that Thursday? I think we've got, what, like an inch of snow, an inch and a half of snow or something on Wednesday night. Shuts down the city. People right. are terrified of that white stuff. Yeah, but we don't have any infrastructure to clean it up. Well, I know, but it was melted by 10. <laughs> yes, I mean, but, it was fully melted. The, but the, nobody knows that the night before when they have to make the judgment call. We experience the same frustration when yes. we're trying to cancel church. You have to be wise. And it could go one or two different ways. Yeah. You were away this weekend. That's probably the most interesting thing that happened this week. I was. You went to the women's conference. I did. I did uh, a women's conference up in Owensboro, Kentucky. How is Kentucky different from Tennessee? Um, it seems flatter. Hmm. But I mean, I only saw a small portion of Kentucky. It's not like I've seen the whole state. <laughs> But it was nice. We stayed in a nice hotel, and I looked out over the river, and I saw my very first river barge. Mm-hmm. What's a river barge? Well, I'm assuming it's a river barge. It's like this massive, long boat that's like the equivalent of a train, you know, that would carry cargo, but it's on the river. And it's really long and skinny, and it just moves really slowly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, darling. <laughs> I'm not saying I stared at it for long. I was just like, huh, long skinny boat. Tell I bet your, you that's a barge. Tell, Off me, I go. tell me your highlight of this week. My highlight of the week. Mm, possibly dinner tonight. Mm, we had an amazing dinner. We did. We ate at Cork and Cow in downtown Franklin. We did. It was really good. With great friends. It was fantastic. That was your highlight. Well, I don't know. I have a couple highlights. I mean, um, Shannon came with me on the weekend. It was really fun to get time with Shannon, and um, we tend to find the same things funny. So we had a lot of fun um, just, you know, driving together and, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. And then um, Alberto and Kimberly were at the conference as well, so it was great to get time with They're them. They um, And then Lyle's parents hosted it. So and they're a scream. Jeff and Melissa, they're a scream. They're amazing. And I didn't really know them before. I, I really, I've like fallen in love with them in a day. So yeah, it was really good. You had a, a week of highs then? I had a great week, yeah. It good. It was really good. And somewhere in there I had a cronut too. Tuesday morning, is that when we had cronuts? Cronuts. Never a bad thing. No, so good. Five Daughters Bakery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like crack though, really. Well, chocolate-flavored crack. Yes, but now I think about it every day. Cronut. Mm-hmm. What was your highlight of the week, babe? I don't know if I had a highlight so much as I had a great week. That's good. Seems like you had fun with the kids. You had a date morning and a date afternoon. And- mm-hmm. We got matching tattoos. That was nice. It was beautiful. Angie didn't cry as much as I thought he would. Which is nice, because mm-hmm. it's on his face. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's a spider web. It's brilliant. It's just beautiful. He's ready for prison. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying MJ's fascination with playtime. He's really come alive. Like you can distract him from anything just by saying play with trucks. 
Oh, yeah. And then you let him out onto the main road and he just goes for it. (laughs) He's doing full sentences now. So Mm -hmm. he'll like come over and go, Daddy, me, you play trucks. You know, like he's stringing things together, which is amazing. Most of the sentences that he says revolves around him hitting his sisters, though. I hit Tia. I hit Tia. Abby hit me. Yeah. Not that we're a particularly violent household, you understand. (laughs) But when you're two and you have two noisy sisters... It seems like you make your way in the world by hitting. Yes, or shoving or, mm-hmm. or poking. But he always confesses. And then sometimes he just goes and sits on the naughty step by himself. Yeah, he gets that self-control from his dad. Okay. He gets the hitting <laughs> from his mother. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Our topic for this week. Yes. Is the topic that you were ministering on this weekend. Yeah, it was a spiritual warfare conference. And I had a, a bunch of revelations about me or us, mm-hmm. and how we don't really experience much spiritual warfare. So I think I was going into the conference going, oh dear, they've asked the wrong person to come and talk about this. So what did you share then? Well, um, I talked about the two main things I basically talked about were, you know, a lot your expectations really determine your reality, you know according to your faith, be it unto you. So if you're aligning your expectations with spiritual warfare and, you know, greater levels, greater devils, and, you know, the counterattack and all that kind of stuff, then I'm sure you experience it because that's what you've aligned your faith with. I don't have faith for the enemy to be able to do much of anything with me. And uh, so I don't experience that. Does that make sense? And my second point Mm -hmm. that I made was... um, When I was driving a couple of days before the conference, the Lord said to me, I want to remove the house that hurt built. Well, that's a great line. Right? And I was like, oh, yeah. And really realizing, I think a lot of the things that people would say are demonic attack, I would say are inner healing issues that are, you know, there's places in our lives that are still unhealed where we're either afraid to deal with it or we don't realize it can be dealt with or can be removed. And so there's landing strips for the enemy to actually mess with us in a certain area because there's healing that's needed. Right. And actually, if you can rip up the landing strip, the enemy actually has no legal rights to mess with you at all. Right. So if you're harboring unforgiveness, for example, right, then the enemy is empowered to mess with you in the area of that heart. Right. Or if you're, you know, sinning and you know it or, you know, like, so, Yeah. So we looked at stuff like worry and unforgiveness and uh, bitterness, that kind of stuff, like um, unresolved wounds, essentially. I think the most incredible thing on this topic that I ever heard was from John and Carol. And I remember speaking to them because we'd go off and we'd do lots of conferences around the world, and we never seemed to get any counterattack, which was messing with my theology. Because my prior theology, my prior experience was, if you do anything good for God, you're going to be attacked really, really badly. And so I remember asking John about that one day. And he took me to Matthew 28, and he said, you know, read that verse. And it says, you know, all authority has been given to, it's Jesus speaking, saying, all authorities in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And so I read that out, and John said, well, if Jesus has all authority, how much does that leave for the devil? So I very quickly did the math and realized if Jesus had all the authority, then the devil had none. Mm-hmm. So I said to John, none. And John said, no, the devil only has as much authority as you choose to give him. Yeah. And his point was, as Bill Johnson so eloquently puts it, the devil is empowered by human agreement. So if you choose to 
trespass or traffic in his area, then you will reap sin. If you choose to sow sin, then you'll reap sin. But if you choose to keep your life free from sin and you choose to live in an area of grace and forgiveness, then there's precious little that the devil does. I remember, I remember John saying, Alan, if what you're saying is true about counterattack, then surely Carol and I, having led an international revival for years and years and years, should have experienced something. <laughs> right. You see, but the most we experience is we maybe get a cold or we lose our luggage once in a while, which right. incidentally, I never saw them lose their luggage ever. Right. But, you know, John had literally removed any expectation for the devil to operate in his life, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Yeah. But rem- it messed with me. Yeah, for sure. I remember once hearing uh, a speaker near the beginning of the renewal talking about uh, the difference between charismatics and charismaniacs. And they were, you know, he was sort of talking about the whole thing about, you know, looking for a devil under every rock. And he said, you know, these are the people that don't change their oil or don't put gas in their car. And then when they run out of gas or their engine seizes because of oil, they say the devil attacked their car. And, you know, he says, well, the spirit did attack your car. You know, it's probably the spirit is stupid, though. <laughs> you know, and I remember just going, oh, yeah. Like, I w- it wouldn't occur to me. I guess I guess the thing is I don't want to give the enemy any publicity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I don't I don't I don't want to give him credit for anything. And uh it so doesn't occur to me to offer it. Right. Well, it's like that verse that does say and people will often quote this, you know, you know, be alert the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour who he can, basically. I just paraphrased that terribly, but it's late at night and I'm tired. Well, that that verse is one of the verses that I talked about at the conference really briefly, just because I remember my friend Jenny, she grew up in Ethiopia, so she grew up, like, you know, as a missionary's kid around lions. And, and she said, AJ, roaring lions are not the ones you have to worry about. If they're roaring, they're usually roaring because they're old and they're trying to scare off other animals or other lions by their sound because they actually can't defend themselves it's the quiet stealthy lions you have to worry about and i was always like oh that's so interesting you know and then besides that of course we know a bigger lion but well that was john's great line you know you need a bigger god and a smaller devil yeah and his point was that more christians most christians have more faith in the devil to deceive them than they do in god to keep them from deception right you know, there's the other verse I think about where Paul writes to Christians and says, do not give the devil a foothold. Mm-hmm. And the Greek word there for foothold is topos, which literally means a license or permission to operate. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we often, you know, use example, if I was going to open a taco stand in downtown Franklin, I would need a license from the city of Franklin to say, I have permission to operate a food services car. And Paul's basically saying, just, you know, don't give the devil permission or a license or an opportunity to have access to your life. And yeah. then goes on and says, you know, therefore get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, malice, slander, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And it is amazing how we often want to keep on to our hurt, our bitterness, our judgments without realizing the access we're giving the enemy through that. Mm-hmm. Even the whole, you know, the... Again, a couple of days before the conference, I was thinking about the, you know, Ephesians 6 with the armor of God and, you know, how you're you're girding your loins with truth and you've got a breastplate of righteousness and, you know, the helmet of salvation and gospel of peace. And, 
And I was like, huh, okay, so your your loins are girded with truth, which really speaks to me of, of also of purity and that sort of thing. And okay, so you're standing in righteousness, you're standing in right standing with God, you're standing in your salvation, you understand who you are and who he is. And and then, you, you know, your, your feet are shod with peace. And then it doesn't say, after all of that, talking about the what you're wearing, it doesn't say now go and fight, it says stand firm. You know, it doesn't say attack, it says stand firm. So really, uh, warring, if warring is done, should be from a position of rest and from knowing who he is. Do you know what I mean? And and I do. Yeah. So I think it's interesting if you look at the life of Jesus. Jesus wasn't preoccupied with what the devil was doing. No. He wasn't intimidated to preach the Sermon on the Mount. He just had a perspective of what is his heavenly father doing. Mm-hmm. I remember once traveling with John and we landed in a city in the United States and we got picked up by one of my heroes and we got in the car with him and I'd read this guy's books and you know I was interested to spend a weekend with him and as we're driving to the hotel this guy just starts telling John about you know how bad the territorial spirits are in this area and how they're totally under attack and how you know yada 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 and I'm sitting thinking I well, I don't, you know, I don't have a grid for this. And so we get to the hotel and we're unpacking. I said, John, I said, I don't mean to be critical. I said, but I'm confused as to this guy's like a hero of mine. I've read his books. And yet he seems really, really scared about the devil. And, you know, can you help me with that? And so John said, well, Alan, have you got a Bible there? I said, I do. He said, just open it anywhere in the Psalms. So I happened to open it. I think I opened it at Psalm 91. I started reading from it. And he said, okay, try again. I I turned a couple of pages, read from another psalm. And, of course, they're all about David's absolute trust and confidence in God to rescue him. And he said, Alan, when you don't have a revelation of the Father's love, you're actually left alone to fight all your battles. Mm -hmm. But when you have a revelation that you have a good heavenly Father, that he won't give you a serpent, that he won't give you a snake, then you actually have a revelation that God is looking out for you. And I, I never forgot that. I just, you know, it's interesting if you think about when David went to see his brothers and Goliath was intimidating them, their eyes were all fixed on the giant in the land. And yet David was accused of being arrogant, but he was just so confident in God's ability to rescue him that he paid no attention to the giant. Yeah, the giant seemed small. (laughs) So in essence, what would you sum up our approach or encouragement to people who want to understand spiritual warfare? I would say probably push into God for your healing. Like, you know, for... Remove all the landing strips. Ask the Lord to align your expectations with the goodness of God, how much you're loved, how much he actually cares about the details of your life and how awesome he is. Mm -hmm. And I think that realigns your perspective of what spiritual warfare is. I forget who said it, but I remember hearing somebody in Toronto say, the greatest form of spiritual warfare is the kind that magnifies the greatness of God. Mm. And I love that. So yeah, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Get your heart healed up. Have no faith in the devil. Yeah. God's huge. He's absolutely enormous. And he's a great dad. Do you know who's killing it at the moment? Who? Jesse Parker. Yes, she is. Jesse Parker early. Or Jesse early. Jesse early. She just did an incredible job this morning. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I love that Helser song that we were singing. Jonathan, David, and Melissa Helser song. Yeah. Endless Ocean. I'm going to put a link to it. If you're looking for some new music, oh, this song is so incredible. It's I've been awesome. singing it all day. Yeah. It's really good. All right. Any closing thoughts? No. 
<laughs> Thanks for the dramatic pause. I'm like, do I have any thoughts? I'm thinking pillow, pillow. Well, listeners, we hope you have an incredible week mm-hmm. filled with joy, filled with glory. If you are listening and you're in the Nashville area, then please come and join us tomorrow night at Emanate. We have James Gall ministering. 7.30. 7.30 for the last time ever because mm-hmm. we're moving our time to 7. Whoop, whoop. And if you are have been thinking, I would love to go deeper with God. We have an eight-month school called the School of Supernatural Life, which we would love to invite you to attend. If you go to gracenar.us slash school, you can find out all the information about that school or drop us a line at Twitter. And uh, we'll, it's, it's actually a two-year school now, baby. It is a two-year school. There's but it's eight months the first year and eight months the second. Right. Yeah. But they don't have to do the second year if they don't no, want you to. Don't. But I'm sure they'll do the first and want to do the second. Yeah. But alas, we're ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Have an amazing week and we'll see you next week. All right.